Hello. You all doing okay? So grateful to see you all here on a Saturday evening. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open to the book of Hebrews chapter number 11. We are in uh, the fourth week of a series on faith. And uh, every single week, uh, we have been talking about different aspects of our faith and different people who exercised that faith and had God do awesome things through their life. And so uh, the first week that we taught was on faith is, uh, and uh, as you all know by now, that did not get recorded, so it's not on podcast. Don't go looking for it. You won't find it, okay? But it was great. <laughs> uh, the second week, uh, we taught a message entitled Faith to Leave out of Genesis chapter number 12. Last week was my first time teaching on tithing in this church, and it was called Faith to be Able, dot, 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 to give. Uh, and Abel uh, is the first tither in the Bible in Genesis chapter number four. So we're going back to Hebrews chapter number 11. We're going to start uh, and only read one verse, verse number 30. But then uh, if you might want to stick your finger uh, in your Bible in the Old Testament and just get a little place marker for, um, uh, for Joshua chapter number six, because we're going to be reading about uh, Joshua today. But first I want to read uh, what it says in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 30, and then we'll jump over to uh, Joshua chapter number six. By faith, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It's one verse. Now, if you go to uh, Joshua chapter number six, Joshua chapter number six, and while you're flipping over there, I'm going to sing you a song. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. Oh, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. That's just like an old children's song. I love it. It's a Veggie Tales hit. <laughs> All the, all, the, all the parents with kids said amen. Joshua chapter number six, I'm going to read the first 20 verses uh, in your hearing. Uh, and you might find out uh, if you stay here and if you're a resident, you already know. I read a lot of scripture and I read a lot of the Bible. There's some, there's some pastors that actually apologize for reading the Bible in church. That's crazy. I don't get that at all. That's like going to a restaurant and uh, the chef uh, apologizing for cooking your food. It's just random, right? It's, you came to church, we're going to read the Bible. But here's the reason why I like reading the written word, because a lot of times uh, people uh, refer to the Bible more than they read it. And when you refer to the Bible more than you read it, it becomes more of an oral tradition than it is the written word. And so sometimes we have stories in our head based on the, our favorite preacher who preached it. And you can go back and read the actual narrative and find out, oh, my goodness, it doesn't even say that. I've been saying amen to that sermon for seven years, and it does not even line up with the word. So I like reading the account and then expressing the narrative because I never want you to walk out of here saying my pastor said. Every time you walk out of this church, I want you to say the Bible says. Okay. So uh, uh, Joshua chapter number six, starting at verse one. Now the gates 
of Jericho were tightly shut up because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast of, on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind them. Some of the armed men marched in front of the priests with the horns and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. Do not shout. Don't even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, and then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning. The priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to camp. They followed this pattern for six days. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on the horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Joshua and everything, uh, I'm sorry, Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others, others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed, and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. Now, I just want to stop right there before I read uh, verse 20. If you want to know why this was such a serious thing for no one to touch uh, Jericho after they conquered it, it's because it was the first city they conquered. And as we talked about last week, the first belongs to the Lord. So the, the tithe of all of Canaan was Jericho which meant when God gave them the victory there, they couldn't try to take credit for any of it. The tithe belongs to the Lord, okay? Verse number 20, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Uh, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down uh, faith to go in. It's the title of this message, faith to go in. Yes. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the word, shall we? God, would you please give us the faith to go in and stay in? All right. That's it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite uh, passages of scripture. J uh, Joshua is an uh, incredible person in the Bible, and God did 
incredible works through him. Uh, when you're talking about uh, this particular moment of history, in Israel's history, we're talking about a prophetic word that is 470 years in the making. When Joshua and the children of uh, Israel get ready to go into Canaan, starting with Jericho, uh, they are walking into the prophetic word that was given to Abraham in Genesis chapter number 12. It is 470 years from the time that Abraham leaves Haran until the time that the children of Israel go into Jericho and conquer the land. Now, let me just stop right there and say uh, that should let you know how powerful prophecy is. That you could be making a step in your generation that will be a blessing to your kids, 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 kids. That's all my lungs had time for. That you could be obedient today. And it could mean that your great grandchild could walk into a promise tomorrow. Should also let you know that sometimes when God gives a prophetic word, he's charging us to be faithful to carry it and not be worried about it happening in our lifetime. Abraham went by faith out of Haran to a place that God would show him. He stayed in Canaan as a foreigner. But 470 years later, the nation that came from his act of obedience steps into Canaan as residents. Joshua starts this whole thing, and there's something that's absolutely significant here uh, that I want you to see. As we break this down, though, there's some context that I want to give to you. So point number one, I want you to write this down, and you'll have to go back to Hebrews chapter number 11 to the verse right above uh, verse number 30 uh, for context, and that's uh, Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 29. Point number one is uh, it takes faith to come out. It takes faith to come out. Here's what it says in 29. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Before we can really appreciate uh, what it is to go into something by faith, we have to understand that we have to have faith to come out. The children of Israel were in bondage for over 400 years. Uh, they needed a deliverer. Moses, whose name literally means drawn out. It's amazing that God would take somebody whose name means something to do something that his name means. Moses, one that is drawn out, is used to draw the people of Israel out of bondage into preparation to go into the promised land. But it takes faith to come out. What, what, what is so venerated in Israel's culture and its history is that God miraculously and through divine circumstances and situations called about 1.5 to 2 million people out of Egyptian bondage and spared them so he could go into a relationship and they could worship him and him alone. It took faith for them to believe that they could come out. And what we have to understand about God in that monumental act 
of splitting the Red Sea is that God is a deliverer for people that want to have a relationship with him. It doesn't matter what kind of bondage you're in. It doesn't matter what kind of family upbringing you've had. If you want out, God is the one that can bring you out. If you want healing, God is the one that can heal you. If you want to go into a new phase of your life where you're not bound by your past, it's God that brings you out. And we have to have faith to come out. Not only do we have to have faith to come out, we have to give ourselves permission to come out. That you know what? I don't have to stay in this situation. God has given me an opportunity. I'm going to take the opportunity to come into a relationship with him and come out of what I was bound to into a place that he wants to take me. Here's what's fascinating about them coming out. They don't come right out of bondage into possession of the promised land. And it didn't have to take them 40 years. We understand that it was the disobedience that caused them to have to uh, travel around for 40 more years because without faith, it is impossible to please him. The reason why a generation full of Israelites died in the wilderness is because of their unbelief. This whole series on faith is about understanding that without that faith, it's impossible to please God. So what happens is, They come out, they're in the wilderness, and God understands that he got them out of bondage, but that doesn't mean all the bondage was out of them. See, when you're talking about the faith to come out, you can come out of something physically and still be there mentally. You can come out of a place physically, but still be there emotionally, still be there spiritually. And so God calls this wilderness experience to be a part of the Israelites' process before going into the land that he promised they would possess because he wanted to make sure that when they went into the promised land, they went in with a different mindset than where they came out of in Egypt. When God wants you to get ready to go in, he doesn't want you to go in with old baggage. And so sometimes God will just uh, uh, lay out this kind of breathing period. I like to call uh, the wilderness experience a palate cleanser. He was cleansing their palates because for a long time they still desired the the garlic, the leeks and the onions uh, that that they had when they were in bondage uh, to Pharaoh. And what he did was he gave them something called manna. The the word manna literally means what is it? Manna. It literally meant what is this? And the thing that was amazing about manna is it didn't really have a taste. It was a palate cleanser. It's like having a sorbet after a meal and before dessert. They bring you the sorbet to cleanse your palate so that when you get ready to taste the dessert, you can taste it without having a bunch of other ingredients still sticking to your mouth. What he wanted to do with the children of Israel is bring them into their dessert season. A land flowing with milk and honey qualifies as dessert. I just want y'all to know that. And he wanted them to go into the dessert season without the taste or the thoughts of where they came out of bondage in Israel. It takes faith to come out. But you have to give yourself permission to do it. And you have to give God permission to be the one that brings you out. Obeying him step by step faithfully. And what he's calling you to do. So it takes faith to come out. Point number two, write this down. It takes faith to go in. 
I don't have deep points. Y'all know this. It takes faith to come out is point number one. Point number two, it takes faith to go in. And if you want to put something parenthetically behind in, you can put it takes faith to go in the way he tells you to go in. It, it takes faith to go in, but it takes faith to go in the way he tells you to go in. The story of Joshua is absolutely fascinating. I want you to think about this. Uh, uh, Joshua's predecessor is just not a guy that led Israel. It was a guy that was born in Pharaoh's house, a guy that saw God speak to him through a burning bush, a guy that raised up his staff and split the Red Sea, a guy that smote a rock and water came out of that rock, a guy that went up to the mountain and talked to God so much in his presence that when he came down, he was literally glowing in the dark. A man that came down with God's commands on stone tablets that God wrote with his finger. A man that if you talked about him, the earth would literally open up and swallow you for talking about him. And he had no respect of persons. One day his, his sister Miriam got a little bit upset with him and she got struck with leprosy. Like they couldn't even have a sibling rivalry without God going, stop talking about my God. That's my God. Every time he went into the presence of the Lord, God's glory literally came into the tent where Moses spoke with God. God himself says, I'm his friend. Moses and I are friends. And I might speak to other prophets through dreams and visions. I talk to Moses face to face. So you're not just replacing like a guy that happened to be pastor in the church before you got there. This is Moses. Joshua takes Moses's place and Joshua has a completely different skill set than Moses does. Joshua is the same word in the Old Testament as Yahshua, which is Jesus's name in the New Testament. It's the same Hebrew word. The only difference between the two is Joshua means God is my salvation. Whereas Yeshua means I am the God <laughs> of your salvation. Joshua is an Old Testament type and shadow of Jesus Christ. And while Moses is the one that brings the people out, he is not the one called to take them in. Sometimes the people that bring you out are not the same people that bring you in. If you were drowning in the ocean, a lifeguard might help you out of the water from drowning. But it might be the ambulance that takes you to the hospital. Sometimes the people that take you out are not the same people that take you in. And there's a different set of circumstances that come with going in than coming out. The responsibility for coming out is, help, come get me. As opposed to the responsibility to go in is, please help me to go in. And stay. Joshua goes into this season of his life. At the end of Joshua chapter number five, he comes face to face with the pre-incarnate Christ. He says, are you friend or foe? He says, I'm not either. I'm not on anybody's side. I'm on the Lord's side. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. He says, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And he says, 
Well, just take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. <laughs> so all I want you to do is worship and reverence me in my presence. Shortly after this, Joshua gets the download of the first military strategy of taking a piece of Canaan land. Now, now, when you have a military genius who is ready to go into combat to take the land for the children of Israel, you, you know that his mind is racing going, okay, Jericho, okay, uh, let's get some ropes. Let's maybe get some grappling hooks. We need to get some very long extended ladders because we're going to have to go in there and infiltrate. And I got some serious uh, uh, strategies. Maybe we can chip through the wall and find out what's going on. No, no. Joshua wants to hear from the Lord first, because when it comes to getting victory God's way, you have to do it his way. He's not asking for your suggestion. He's not asking for your commentary. He's not asking for your help. He's just requiring your obedience. And God tells him something random. He goes, okay, first piece of land you're going to take? Yes, Jericho straightly shut up. There's no way in. There's no way out. I'm going to give you this land, and here's how I'm going to give it to you. I want you to call out the priest, get the Ark of the Covenant, uh, and I want you to give them some horns, okay? Going to have a little praise dance, praise band, okay? And, and I want them to lead out in front of everyone else, uh, and then I want the entire community of Israel to get behind these guys, and I don't want them to say nothing, and I just want the, the priests to walk around blowing their horn and walk around the city one time and then go home. <laughs> like, can you imagine when Joshua has to talk to, like, his commanders and his, <laughs> and his sergeants and, <laughs> hey, God gave me the download. He gave me the revelation. You guys ready for this? We're going to take the land. You guys ready? Yes! You guys ready to do this? Yes. Okay, I need the priest and some horns. No. I don't understand. What is that? No swords? No, just horns. He wants horns. Get a man what he wants. Can you imagine what the people in Jericho were thinking? Now, the reason why it was straightly shut up is because they were scared of the Israelites. They had heard of what God had done for them through all these many years. And so I could just see people peeking over the balcony going, they're coming. I see them. There they go right there. There's a big plume of dust coming. They're going to kill us. Oh, my God, they're going to kill us. <laughs> Air horns. <laughs> Is that it? And the whole... Congregation of Israel, like between 1.5 and 2 million people. <laughs> First day, went around it one time. All right, we done? Yeah, we're done. High five, guys. Great. Nobody said nothing. Thanks for being quiet. Let's go home. And they went home. Tuesday. They got up. Uh, 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 uh. 
Good job, guys. You, say, you guys stay perfectly quiet. That's absolutely amazing. High five. Great. Great. Wednesday. <laughs> I know what y'all are some, I know what some of y'all are wondering. Is he going to do all six days? Because we get the point. That's what y'all are thinking in here as I reenact it. Imagine the obedience it took then to do it real time. Sometimes God, when it's time for you to go in, tells you to do something ridiculous to the point that you're even asking yourself, this looks stupid. And honestly, the dumber it looks, it's probably a clear indication that the more it has to do with God and not with you. Because in order for you not to get credit, it has to look dumb. <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> Care nothing about what y'all want. I'm going I'm to teach this thing. <laughs> Go back. Friday. Good job, guys. You got to stay quiet. Saturday. <laughs> it's going to make a horrible podcast. <laughs> Obedience is better than sacrifice. He said once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, go around seven times. I won't do that. Okay. I will, because I have to be obedient. Okay. They haven't said anything for six days, now it's the seventh day. One. Okay. They're walking around. You know the, you know the people peeking over the balconies now are going, these people are crazy. Two. Y'all keep counting. So, um... Uh, I can just imagine the people peering over the balconies now going, these people don't have anything. Thank you. <laughs> these people don't have anything. They're probably, uh, we were scared of these guys? Right, right, right. They, 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 these, these people were the ones that we were scared of? All they do is walk around all day. This is crazy. They don't want to come in here. We should go probably attack them because they don't know anything that they're doing right now. They're just out there quietly walking around and blowing their horns all day. We should throw rocks at them for just blowing horns. We want them to shut up already blowing their horns because it's just making us a nuisance every single day. And then one long blast. entire community of Israel, help me preach, started shouting. Yeah! 
Now, here's what was fantastic about this moment, because some people are going, yeah, sure that happened. They shouted and the walls crumbled. Yeah, right. Well, uh, here's how I know this is absolutely possible. First of all, I know it by faith, because it's written. Uh, but in Janu on January the 8th, 2011, uh, there is a, uh, uh, a moment in NFL history that's called the Beast Quake. And what had happened was the Beast Quake happened during the Seattle Seahawks playing the New Orleans Saints in a wild card game on January the 8th, 2011. There were 66,336 people in attendance to watch people throw around a piece of dead pigskin. They handed the ball off in the fourth quarter, the Seattle Seahawks, to Marshawn Lynch, who ran for 67 yards for a touchdown to secure a victory for the Seattle Seahawks in a wild card game. The 12th man, as the attendants, uh, 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 the people that are in attendance for a game are called, started shouting so loud that a nearby seismograph that determines and can read earthquakes started picking up tremors and wondering where they were coming from. They did not come from two tectonic plates rubbing together. There were 66,336 people that started shouting to the top of their lungs, stomping their feet as loud as they could, and it started an earthquake in Seattle. Now, if 66,336 people could start shouting over a dead piece of pigskin enough to shake the earth, then I think two million people commanded by God to shout could begin to make a noise that was loud enough to shake heaven, earth, and hell beneath the earth. Now, somebody should shout right there. That's the shout that gets your breakthrough. That's the shout that gets the victory. That's the shout that gets your deliverance. That is the shout of people that want to go in. Is there anybody ready to go in? Is there anybody ready to go in? God wants to take us out and bring us in. Because it's the promise that he gave us. He called us to go in. He commanded us to go in. And he said, you don't need a weapon. All you need is a voice. You don't have to have a loud voice. Whatever your shout is, if you're four years old, ah! if you're 28, ah! if you're 99, ah! he wasn't looking for the decibel. He was looking for the obedience.
And if you would just be obedient to do whatever he tells you to do, then you will always go in to wherever he called you to go into. It takes faith to go in the way God tells you to go in. Two million people shook the earth so much, it made that NFL game look like an embarrassing moment. And those walls collapsed, and they ran in, and God gave everyone that could fight and couldn't fight victory on the battlefield. It takes faith to go in. Point number three, write this down. It takes faith to stay in. It's amazing to me that a lot of people get real excited about going in. And we don't talk enough about staying in. If I was interested in emotion, I would have ended the sermon on point two. And we would have all left here super happy. Yeah! All ran out the front doors. Ah, we're going in. We're about to go in. <laughs> but if you only stayed a week. It wouldn't make much sense. I think a lot of people are addicted to coming out. And I know they're addicted to coming out. Uh, because unless there's a perpetual uh, issue to deal with, they can never rest. So they're constantly coming out of something. I'm looking for my next breakthrough. I'm looking for my next healing. I'm looking for my next deliverance. They, they're, they're never settled. They're, they're, they're always coming out. And, and what it means is that you've come out, but you've also ran back in. So then you need another word to come out. Then like another word to come out. There's another word to come out. But, but, but God, God doesn't bring you out to keep bringing you out. <laughs> it's like the lifeguard saving somebody out of the ocean because they can't swim, and they say, thank you, give them a hug, and jump right back in. Save me again. Wow, I need help. Deliver me. He brings you out so he can bring you in. But he brings you in so you can stay in. <laughs> It takes faith to stay in. Yes, it, it takes faith to get in. It takes faith to stay in. And so in uh, Joshua chapter number 24, which is the last chapter, I want to read a couple of verses in your hearing. These are Joshua's last words before uh, he dies. He was 110 when he died. But starting at the 11th verse, it says this. When you crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you as did the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Yes. But I gave you victory over them. Yes. And I sent terror ahead of you to drive out the two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or bows that brought you victory. I gave you land you had not worked on. And I gave you towns you did not build. Yes. The towns where you are now living I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. Yes. 
This is God talking. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. How do you stay in? Fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. If you want a scripture to take home today, don't let it be the shout. Let it be the command to serve the Lord alone. Get rid of all your idols. Everything that came with the generational curse, get rid of it. Everything that came with your past thinking, get rid of it. Every relationship that holds you back, get rid of them. And serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. How do you stay in by faith? By obeying everything God told you to do to get in in the first place. I see so many people step into a season where God is prospering them and then they lose that season. It doesn't seem to last for them. It's because they, they, they got in, but they couldn't stay in. They couldn't apply the principles or have the discipline to stay where God wanted to put them. And I wanna, what I want to encourage you today with this message is you have everything it takes to go in. And you have everything it takes to stay in. And anything that the enemy is trying to bring up to disrupt, discourage, disempower, whatever he's trying to bring into your life, it's because he hates the fact that you're in. Here's the thing about the promised land that the writer of the Hebrews lets us know. It was their place of rest. Now hear me, I, I'm not saying that when you get into the, the place where God wants you to be that there won't be issues. What, what I'm saying is you won't be in bondage. There's a difference when you have to deal with some drama in your life and it's on top of being in bondage <laughs> than it is when you are in a season of freedom of your life and you have to deal with an issue. See, when the children of Israel have problems, uh, uh, in, e- in Egypt, it's because w- w- what exasperated it is that there was slavery on top of that. There was a hard taskmaster. There was an oppressor on top of that. The difference when you're walking in a, in a level of freedom is that when you have an issue that happens in your life, you see it from a different perspective because there's no bondage in your life. And I don't want uh, residents who are addicted to bondage. It will literally skew everything that you see. Every time something happens, you'll be going, There's just, you know, I just can't get it right. God's just still trying to teach me something. And some of it is just bad habits. Old ways, old paradigms of thought that you haven't really relinquished yet. What I'm telling you is you can go in and you can stay in because he designed for you to be in. You have the faith to go in. 
In the same way you had the faith to come out. Yes. And you have the faith to stay in. Because it was the Lord that brought us all out. You should shout because God's giving you the city. You should shout for that. But then you should rest because you get to live there. You have the faith to go in. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? As I was praying for you all this week, as it relates to this message, I just, you know, I just had this burden in my heart for people that are coming out of situations. And if there's one thing that I feel like God has given me a mandate for as the senior pastor of this church, is to help people enter in to a relationship with Jesus Christ, enter into a covenant with Jesus Christ, enter into a commitment with Jesus Christ that brings peace to every aspect of their life. I, I didn't say every aspect was going to be peaceful. I was gonna, I'm just saying there's going to be peace in every aspect of your life. And it's time for you to come in. It's time for you to come in. It's time for you to stay in. So in a moment, we're going to pray. I ask that you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And then we're just going to pray for you. Our altar ministry team is here, and if you need prayer for any reason, we want you to come. You don't have to be a resident of Embassy City Church to come for prayer. But if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. And if you need prayer to break away from some things that you've come out of and enter in, we want to pray with you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person that needs prayer. God, I thank you that you called us all out, that you're now calling us all in. As we come in, Lord God, give us the faith to stay in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?